Monday night, May 6th at the Hyatt Regency in San Francisco. You're invited to join athletes and celebs at the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame Enshrinement Dinner. Be there to celebrate this year's class featuring Olympic swimmer Jenny Thompson, San Jose Earthquakes legend Chris Wondolowski, Niners Super Bowl hero John Taylor, Sharks icon Patrick Marlowe, and the architect of the Giants dynasty, Brian Sabian. Be a part of this star-studded evening benefiting Special Olympics Northern California. To purchase tickets, visit Bayshoff.org. That's B-A-S-H-O-F.org. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. Off the face on Sharks, when Ferraro moves in, gets the shot on that save, made rebound, Cunnan, shoot, score! Luke Cunnan, the ex-predator, putting the Sharks in front, 1-0 with 5.35 to go in the period and 45 seconds left in the Genoa penalty. The Sharks won and the Predators I actually thought our third period was the best period. I really did. I liked our third period. A huge contrast to what you saw last night. I mean, stayed out of the box. I thought we were on top of them. Uh, you know, it's just, it's disappointing because we shot ourselves in the foot, right? We're up 2-1. to one. We went a D-zone face-off. We turn it over at the half wall. Should have been a clear out, but ends up in the back of the net. End of a power play, not a lot of awareness. They're going to score. I mean, two things that, you know, moving forward, I think we'll clean up and you know, we won the hockey game. So, you know, I liked a lot of our game tonight. I thought it was a big improvement from last night. And, you know, that's all we need to focus on is incrementally getting better, right? Winning and losing will take care of itself. But uh, I'm proud of our guys. I thought we competed hard. I thought we cleaned up some of the things we weren't good at last night. And I want to go home and take a couple days off and rest up and get back at it and keep getting better. All right. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to The Build Up as we get you ready for the first home game, true home game in SAP Center. Let me clarify that. Of the young season and the two games we saw in Prague, couple takeaways. The offense still needs to be improved upon. No doubt about it. Power play still needs to be improved upon. No doubt about it. If we look at other aspects of the Sharks game, yeah, they gave up three goals plus one empty netter. Um, You would like to see that be just a tick better, and you would hope that in their own house, that will provide some of the juice that is needed to get them a little bit better, a little bit more intense, a little bit more clean, and hopefully this time to really get themselves the opportunity to play together out there on the ice and then be able to adjust from one game to the next, that's ultimately what I am quite hopeful for because, you know, I I want to see the Sharks, their lines, their power play, their penalty kill, their defense, all across the ice. I want it to be that much better because they got to play two games in strange circumstances across the pond in Europe, vastly different time zone. Now they're back in their own building. Now they've had a little bit of time to reflect on what they saw. Hopefully they can correct these deficiencies and hopefully they can make themselves that much better of a team from two games in strange circumstances to being back on home ice with time to adjust and adapt and recognize what they have from one, two games to the next. And I would like to point out that from one game to the next, we did see significant improvement from the Sharks, although it just wasn't enough. So listen, you're back on your home ice. You expect the Sharks to put forth a better effort. And that's not to say that their efforts were poor across the pond, but I think David Quinn, I think they all expect more out of themselves. 
Now this is their opportunity to atone for that. And you've got a really, really good team coming in this year in terms of what you see in Carolina. Chicago, not quite on the same level, but there's still going to be a challenge as well. Both of these nights are going to be emotional games. Tonight, Brent Burns back in the house as someone not a shark since back when he was with Minnesota. You know, that was over a decade ago. So this is going to be very, very strange. And I hope everybody shows Brent Burns the love and respect and adulation that he earned as a shark over the years. And then, of course, Saturday night, we've got Doug Wilson being honored. And I'm very excited for that uh, because everybody you know, loves Doug and everything that he's done for the franchise. He deserves to be recognized. He deserves to be honored. So this is going to be an emotional weekend. Uh, this is going to be an emotional time for the San Jose Sharks. And to get things going, I talked with Shang Peng earlier today, of course, of San Jose Hockey Now and NBC Sports California. And I asked him about where Burns ranks in the all-time pantheon of Sharks greats. You, you come to the rink tonight and Brent Burns is in the building. First time, you know, since he's uh, been on another team, since we go back to the Minnesota days when he mm-hmm. played the Sharks. Um, what's... Like, where do you put Brent Burns all time in the Sharks' pantheon of legends? Like, is he on your Mount Rushmore, or is he, um, you know, a step behind where would we put Jumbo and, and Patty and Pavelski maybe, as yeah. well as the Doug Wilson? <laughs> Funny enough, I, I was uh, just uh, writing about that because we did talk with uh, Brent for about uh, 10 minutes today after morning skate. And uh, for me, he's a clear uh, uh, Mount Rushmore. Uh, Doug, obviously, uh, it. Uh, is there in terms of you bring the overall his time as a builder that sort of thing but when you think of a Mount Rushman for a team you think about the the, the guys who played and yeah. Doug Wilson only played uh two years right uh, with 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 the Sharks so uh, obviously the other contender is uh, Dan Boyle but you know Burns was a was, uh, was around a little bit longer in terms of that offensive defenseman that I think Burns gets that edge mm-hmm. and then yeah I think you put him with I know it's gonna be controversial uh controversial you're going to miss guys like Owen Nolan and again in the Bokov. But for me, the rest of that Mount Rushmore is a pretty clearly a jumbo patty and paps. Yeah. I mean, we know them all by nicknames. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the, the true way it's, you know, people, you know, when they talk about the 49ers that, you know, it's like, they talk about Joe, they talk about Steve, they talk about mm-hmm. Jerry or, you know, like they, it's when you get to that one name status. So, you know, when you watch Brent Burns tonight, I mean, He's going to be on a significantly better team. I mean, what mm-hmm. what do you expect out of Brent Burns this year? And that's not I'm not trying to take away from the Sharks. It's just he is with a supporting cast that is more on par with what we used to associate with the Sharks sure. um up until, you know, the end of their run in the conference finals in the 2019 Stanley Cup playoffs. I expect Brent to have an excellent season and be a big contributor for them. I mean, he's going to get every chance there. Uh, he's with uh, he's on a top uh, pairing with uh, Slavin. Uh, I watched a little bit of the last game. He's on a top power play unit. Might take him a little while to kind of, you know, Brent does have a very, uh, you know, kind of a one-of-a-kind game. And so, you mm-hmm. know, guys will have to get used to him. He'll get used to everybody. But I expect him to be a big contributor uh, uh, this year. I don't think that he's going to uh, – turn back the clock and win a Norris trophy. But I think like last year with the Sharks, I mean, he was terrific for the Sharks last year, all things considered, you know, considering the talent around him, uh, his, uh, his age, uh, he's, he played more minutes than anybody else last year. He put up 54 points, which was a top. Uh, he, I think he was 12th among all defensemen in the league, led the Sharks, obviously. Um, and so I expect him uh, just sort of like a, just like a metronome to kind of keep going. So what do you need to see from the Sharks tonight for after these first two games? Like, where is your where is your big question mark walk, watching the team after seeing those first two games and what you think David Quinn's going to be focusing on or what should be a specific area of improvement? 
Well, Carolina is a very, very dangerous team. I mean, they have a, a Andre Kasha who uh, he's not going to play tonight uh, because of, I guess, concussion worries. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, he was on their fourth line uh, in, in the first game. Andre Kasha could be on a Sharks' second line, to, to be to be honest. I mm-hmm. mean, and so the Hurricanes are a very, very deep team. And so I, I think for me, what I'll, I'll look for, and this was a problem in the first game against Nashville, and they were able to clean it up in the second game. Uh, the odd man rushes. Uh, Nashville, the Nashville Predators had a, a lot of very good two-on-one breakaway kind of chances against James Reimer in the first game. And that's often what happens if you talk about uh, when you put a uh, not-as-skilled team, perhaps, against a very skilled team. And so if Carolina exploits that and uh, they, the Sharks can't, uh, can't play maybe carefully enough to avoid... Uh, these odd man rushes, then this game, you know, could be uh, could be a route quickly. Uh, if the Sharks are able to kind of uh, cut off the Hurricanes and show sort of that uh, defensive sort of uh, uh, zest and oomph that I know uh, 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 Quinn wants from them, then that could be a good sign. Because again, the Carolina Hurricanes are a tough, tough test. Even if you thought the Predators were a tough test, the Hurricanes are a better team. So let's go big picture. First two games of the year, what were your big takeaways well, I will acknowledge it was, you know, these are not home or away games, you know, they, even though they were both, you know, technically one home and one away, it felt like both the crowds were in the Sharks favor. Like, mm-hmm. what were your what were your big, um, you know, 30,000 foot takeaways? Well, uh, this team is definitely still a, a work in progress, I guess, if you want to uh, put it uh, kindly. Um, they did, definitely did compete with the Predators in the second game a lot more closely than he did in the first game. And so if you want to take the positive out of that, that's certainly what uh, Dave and Quinn and staff are taking out of it. And hopefully then they can repeat that performance in this uh, next little stretch here and put some uh, W's on the board. On the other hand, though, in the first game against Nashville, Nashville sort of throttled them uh, after the first 30 or so minutes. And even in the second game where the Sharks did play better, uh, the Predators had the lead in the third period. And so it seemed like took the gas off a little bit too. And so the Sharks didn't have a lot of, I think, uh, uh, great chances in the third period, even though they piled on the shots there in the third period of the, that second game. And uh, so I think uh, still kind of a work in progress. We'll see if uh, sort of the the lines that uh, David Quinn has in mind and sort of the style of play, I guess you would say, that uh, Mike Greer and, and David Quinn have sort of uh, emphasized with the Sharks if it starts to yield uh, more results. Just to play devil's advocate, a lot of the language that is used in terms of what Mike Greer and David Quinn want, it echoes a lot of what Bob Bugner had said previously as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, there was a lot of reestablishment of the Sharks wanting to stick up for each other more and be more physical. It, what do you see through two games and through the preseason maybe that differentiates Quinn's team on the ice, knowing that there has been a lot of the same language used? And I'm not using that against David or Bob. I'm just saying they, they, you know, they have a similar vocabulary. Oh, sure. Sure. No, I think that's an excellent uh, question. Uh, uh, well, every, every coach wants a team that's hard to play against. Uh, what I will say is that uh, Bob Bugner was not given a team that was uh, naturally as hard to play against as David was. I think Bob would have liked to have coached this team uh, with Brent Burns too, but Bob would have liked to have coached some of the forwards that uh, Mike Rear got at uh, David Quinn, guys like Luke Hewnan, and uh, Stephen uh, uh, Lawrence, uh, just guys who are uh, great at winning puck battles, uh, even Matt Benning, uh, types like that. Uh, Bob didn't have those guys at his disposal. He had to make do with uh, a lot of younger players that were skilled, you know, probably more skilled 
in terms of putting the puck in the net than say uh, 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 Stephen Lawrence, but they weren't winning puck battles at the rate that a Stephen Lawrence was that we saw in uh, the, the second game against Nashville when Lawrence was put up with a uh, Couture and LeBanc. And so I would say that's the biggest difference there. Whereas every, every coach wants a, a team that's hard to play against, but I think that David Quinn has been given a few more parts in that department than uh, Bob did uh, last year. And actually that's a credit to Bob, by the way, I'll say that Bob was able to mold the Sharks, especially in the first half of last season, into a team that was uh, throughout the early part of the season uh, a, a challenge to 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 go up against. Yeah, and you know, just to make a you know cross sport comparison, I would if things go the right way for the Sharks, I would hope people would point to what Bob Bugner was able to do with that squad, the same way that people point to Mark Jackson and how he changed some of the identity with the Warriors and what they turned into. Obviously, when you have a generational talent like Steph Curry changes things a little bit but you know <laughs> yeah. the the evolution of a team rarely occurs in you know just under one coach there's usually sure. a build-up we could make the comparisons to the 49ers and what they were from Mike Singletary eventually to what they were under Jim Harbaugh and you know the talent acquisition and you know we can get into a much wider ranging discussion there um what do you think was the issue with a uh overall what we saw from Noah Gregor in game number one because Gregor I usually describe his, him as an effort guy, but mm -hmm. it seemed like he couldn't get involved with the game at all. Yeah, and I think uh, uh, David Quinn uh, said it uh, pretty clearly when we asked him about it. Uh, David said, and, and there's been a lot of emphasis uh, uh, with Quinn. I mean, like I said, this will be under any coach, but uh, David has made a point of saying it many, many times, uh, more so than I remember any other coach saying so. But David has made a point of wanting players to play to their strengths, uh, whatever they are. Mm -hmm. And he mentioned, I know Gregor's strengths are his speed, his physicality. And, you know, you allude to uh, maybe Gregor not being involved so much in the first game. And that, that's the fact that you didn't see uh, Noel Gregor involved as much in his first game. But that suggests exactly what Quinn said, that we didn't see that speed and physicality so much. Now, you know, why exactly we didn't see it, you know, that could, could be a lot of different reasons, right? Obviously, starting in Europe is really strange for all of these players. And so that, that could have been a part of it. Could be a, a million reasons why it didn't work out for Noel in that sense in the, in the, in, in the first game. But um, that's, I think what was missing and hopefully uh, the, the Sharks see that soon from him. Now, one guy that in both games I was very impressed with was Kevin LeBanc because slow start last year and didn't look like he was on top of his game. He clearly came into camp in pretty good shape and it looked like what I saw in those first two games was that he was involved. He was making things happen mm -hmm. for himself and for his teammates. And the other thing that I noticed from uh, LeBanc as well as Vlasic and a couple other guys, that if they did turn the puck over, it wasn't just a drop of the shoulders. It was an immediate attempt to atone for their sin and try and go win it back. Yeah, I think uh, with Kevin, you know, Kevin's been in game shape for a while in a lot of ways. Uh, at the end of last season, I think he was very close to returning in terms of just his uh, his wind, his skating, but just his shoulder. They weren't sure about it. Mm -hmm. So so he's really been, uh, you know, kind of chomping on the bit for uh, quite, a, quite a while here. And I think it also helped Kevin that he started off this season with uh, Logan Couture as his center. Just, you know, if you think of Kevin LeBanc, he is a skill guy. He's a guy that you want to put in a best position to, to put up some points. And so last year, uh, uh, Kevin started the season with Nick Bonino, and the Sharks had a good idea there in terms of uh, trying to uh, to mold a, 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 a solid two-way third line. 
And between a Benino and LeBanc, if you look at their track records, that seemed like a good idea, but it just did not gel between the two. Uh, Nick Benino, of course, I think he went the first 18 games last season without a point. And uh, LeBanc ended up last year with, I think, six points or something in 21 games. And then yeah. the season you know, ended with uh, with with uh, that shoulder surgery. And so just wasn't a, uh, a, a, di- a dynamic pairing or dynamic duel between uh, those two last year. And so uh, putting uh, Kevin with Couture, who, he's, who he has produced with uh, uh, pretty recently, as recently as the 2021 season when uh, the Sharks' best line that year was probably a Couture, LeBanc, and Evander Kane. And so sort of a track record there. And so I think that's helped uh, also uh, Kevin get off to a quick start. Yeah, it was it was uh, it's nice to see just because, you know, we saw him at his best in the 2018 2019 season 50 plus points, but he was also playing with uh, Joe Thornton, which is mm-hmm. going to help um, a lot of players and that's not to take anything away from LeBanc, but like you alluded to maybe Couture can be that guy that springboards him to higher numbers and then also sure. what we saw with with Lawrence on that uh, second line in game number two. Um, what did you see there? Because that seemed to have, you know, in addition to winning pucks, it just seemed like there was a lot of fluidity between those three guys when they were on the ice. Well, you know, if you look at how a line is constructed and, you know, when Lawrence was put there, there were a lot of howls, uh, you know, on Twitter or whatever else. Stephen Lawrence, uh, you know, I think he's had 10 goals in 110 games uh, in his career. And, you know, you don't put a guy like that on the second line, but a good line is often uh, a sum of different parts. You know, uh, you don't you don't just put like your 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 most skilled players on one line and say, hey, go and score. Because let's say, for example, right, they tried this in their pieces and they put Willie Macklin and Kevin LeBanc with Logan Couture. That's a lot of skill on that line. Of Willie Macklin, a very very skilled player. Uh, but you can also see though, uh, maybe that that Eklund and LeBanc, their skills kind of might duplicate too much. You know, they're both playmakers are both maybe, uh, you know, effective kind of on the outside of things and trying to work their way into the dangerous areas. Uh, whereas uh, if you put a Lawrence with a Couture and a LeBanc, now Lawrence is a big, fast, physical. Um, my colleague, Curtis Pashoka, uh, used, I think, a great phrase to describe uh, Stephen Lawrence as a buzzsaw winger. Mm-hmm. And so that's a, that's a kind of a great fit with, uh, and we saw this in game two, where David Quinn said that th- th- that was their best line. And I agree that they were, they look great together. And I'm not sure if it's going to hold up. And I, I do question if Stephen Lawrence has the hands to be in a top six role. But in terms of the other stuff, in terms of the, the puck battle wins, so you have a guy like Stephen Lawrence to win the puck to get it to a guy like Kevin LeBanc that can do something with the puck in a dangerous area or a guy like Logan Couture. And so a lot of great lines have this sort of uh, uh, mixing and matching of different abilities and talents. And so I think uh, I think there is a potential here for Stephen Lawrence. And Stephen Lawrence is not, you know, very old. He's 26. He does have a track record of scoring in the AHL. And so, you know, willing to, 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 to give this uh, definitely a longer look because they look legitimately good in the second game. Hear more of that interview tomorrow on the buildup as we get ready for the second game of this weekend when the Sharks take on the Blackhawks, but Sheng Peng doing a great job covering the Sharks for San Jose Hockey now as well as NBC Sports California. I thought his hits uh, out in front of the arena and inside the arena in Prague, O2 Arena, I should say. Let's give the sponsors their due. Uh, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. And uh, Sheng, you know, he's pretty uh, he's pretty dialed in, and I like the the roles and the opportunities that he's been given, obviously. And just a good dude, which is nice for us, obviously. Uh, but really, we've got uh, a fun one coming up tonight. Brent Burns, 
you know, Carolina is a good, good team. No other way to look at it. They are going to be a tough challenge for the San Jose Sharks. But, you know, this is what I've referenced multiple times as we look at the Sharks from where they were a couple years ago to where they are now. They are trying to build themselves into a upper echelon top tier team again. How do you do that? By measuring yourself against the teams that are expected to be top tier teams in the NHL, which is what Carolina represents. And that's a big reason why they were willing to be trade partners with the Sharks and go out and get Brent Burns. That wraps it up for the buildup. I'll see you on Morning Tide tomorrow morning. Remember, our live pregame coverage starts at 7 o'clock tonight right here on the Sharks Audio Network. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. This podcast can be found for download under Sharks Hockey Digest on iTunes, Google, and Spotify. Presented by Western Digital. All music by Yogi Yen.